Exodus chapter 12, and um, looking at this lesson tonight, now we're, uh, the last time we had a lesson, Brother Kevin taught it, number seven, and that was probably, oh, I don't even know when that was, might have been even September, so it's been a while, so to kind of get us wrapped around what we're doing with this, out of bondage, some, we, some of us might wonder, well, what is that referring to? It's referring to when the nation of Israel was in Egypt. And so we've been working our way through that, and we've made our way really tonight, Exodus chapter 12, we'll begin reading there in just a moment, uh, to the, the last of the ten plagues. And we'll talk about that here in a little, in a little bit. Um, Moses was given specific instructions. If you remember, Moses was a little bit nervous. He kind of, his knees kind of knocked a lot, you know, tongue-tied, and he didn't want to go to Pharaoh and Aaron was going to go, Aaron went with him, and, and yet there were specific instructions that God had given Moses to go before Pharaoh, you know, the, the uh, do you remember those famous words? I think four famous words, do you remember what they are? I think it's four. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I had to recount them. Let my people go. And uh, over and over again, Moses would go before Pharaoh and uh, say, you know, God, we want to we leave Egypt, we want to go out into the wilderness. We want to worship God properly. And uh, there were specific instructions about that. And Pharaoh wouldn't have anything to do with it. And so I think we have a slide of these, the first or all of the plagues, or maybe the first nine plagues. And you can see that there. Each one of these plagues was attacking. We don't have time to go over it tonight. But each one of these plagues was attacking one of the Egyptian gods. And uh, it was proving that their God of, you know, the God of the river or the, the water or whatever wasn't as strong as the, the God of Moses, which was Jehovah God. And so we find all of those listed from Exodus 7 down to Exodus 10. So now we're on plague number 10. So we're right at the doorstep, if you will, of this last plague. Now, we, we know it's the last plague because we have the Bible. And if you've read the book of Exodus, you know that it was 10 plagues, but, you know, I have no idea if they really knew this was the end or not. Maybe they did. Uh, maybe they didn't, but we do know that. And so through this 10th plague, God would establish something in the nation of Israel, but he would also establish something for us. For the nation of Israel, God would establish a holy day, a holy day that they would continue to, they would continue even to this day to participate in, and it's called the Passover, the Passover. And it would go all the way back to this time of the Israelites after 430 years leaving Egypt. And there would be an annual feast that they would partake of to, as a memorial of God's miraculous deliverance of the people of, of God, the people of Israel. And so, but the Passover for us, it doesn't have necessarily the symbolic roots in the, in the sense of a, in the Jewish culture, but it has a very symbolic meaning for us because it pictures something even, even greater, honestly, than a lamb, a, a four-legged lamb being slain and the blood being applied, and we're going to talk about that tonight. So if you have the, if you're taking notes, uh, number one in the outline is a perfect provision, a perfect provision. And by now you found Exodus 12, and so we're going to begin reading in verse number 3. God's word reads, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, 
In the tenth month of this month shall they take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. If the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his, his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb, notice now, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel, Israel shall kill it in the evening. Notice how specific these commands were of what the lamb had to be like, the days, the 10th day, the 14th day, and all of that. And you know, something I was, as I was rereading this, you know, um, we, we, must, we must be careful about changing God's instructions. The Bible, I was told many years ago, we used to go to the Union Gospel Mission. We used to preach at the Union Gospel Mission in downtown Vancouver every, every fourth Friday and every fifth Saturday of the month, if there were five Saturdays. And at the, at the, in the early days, our son Caleb was like five years old and Brianna was two, and they would stand on benches and sing behind. Anyway, we went down there for a long time. And I remember, I never heard this before, actually. I was in my late 20s at that time, and somebody at the mission said, you know what Bible stands for? And I said, well, I don't know, the Word of God. And somebody that was attending the service said, it stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. And I thought, wow, that's really good. For some reason, I missed that one. I'd never heard that one in Bible college. I guess my college didn't teach me that. But I think about that letter I, instructions. You know, if we're not careful, we kind of come up with our own instructions for life. We can come up with our own instructions for being a husband or being a wife or being a parent or being a church, being a Christian. No, where are our instructions for life? Our instructions for life are in the Word of God. And so God told Moses, here are the instructions. And they're very specific. They're very detailed. And so every household was to take a lamb, and this, the purpose of the lamb, the sole purpose of the lamb was for a sacrifice. This lamb was going to give its life. This lamb was going to represent something far greater than what it would represent just at that moment in Egypt. It was going to represent something even greater than that. Number two is, or underneath number one, pardon me, number one is the perfect provision. Number two is the blood, the blank is the word blood, of the lamb. Now, as we said earlier, this lamb had to be spotless. It had to be without blemish. It could not be just any lamb. It could not have a disease, a scar. It could not have a skin problem. It could not be blind. It could not have uh, any broken bones of any kind. So it had to be it had to be spotless. It had to be without, without uh, blemish. We see that in uh, verse number, uh, let's see here, uh, uh, verse 5, verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, without blemish. Hundreds of years later, in the gospel according to John, if you want to turn over there quickly, hold your place in Exodus. Hundreds of years later, in the gospel according to John, in chapter number 1, there would be a, uh, an event taking place, an event we're going to do, we're, uh, one of the, what we're going to do here a little bit later tonight. There would be an event taking place at the Jordan River. And uh, John the Baptist was there, 
And he saw this man, not just any man, John chapter 1, verse 29, walking toward him. And the Bible says, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him. Wow. I'm looking forward to that day when we are in heaven and we can see Jesus for all eternity. How about that? And there's only one way to heaven. It's not through getting baptized. It's not through being a good person. It's not through catechisms. It's not through anything but Jesus himself. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. So, John, look what John says. Behold the what of God? Lamb. Let's try that one again. Behold the Lamb of God. Notice the capital L there. So it's talking about, that's a name, that's a title for Jesus. One of his titles was the Lamb of God. And it said, what did it say about the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world? And so as we go back to Exodus chapter 12, Every lamb in the Old Testament, not just the ones here in Egypt, but every lamb in the Old Testament that would be, that would be slain was a foreshadowing. It was telling something that was coming in the future. Someone, I should say, not something. Someone that was coming in the future, and it was the coming of the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God being the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, actually, I had you turn back to Exodus, but sorry, turn back to the New Testament to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, because here we have a description of the Lamb of God. Now, remember what we read in Exodus 12, 5, the Lamb on the Passover night had to be without what? Blemish. It had to be perfect. Let's see what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. 1 Peter 1.18. For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. So you can't buy your way into heaven. Although some, you know, maybe have that idea, you know. I gave this much to this the church, and I'm so surely I'm gonna have a, you know, that's not what it says. From your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. We can say a lot more about that, but we keep moving. Verse 19, let's not miss it here. But So we're not redeemed with that uh, temporal, that gold, but we are redeemed with the precious blood of who? Christ. As of a what? Lamb. What's the next two words? Without blemish. You can connect that to Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 5. The, the lamb in Exodus 12 had to be without blemish. The lamb in 1 Peter 1, 19 says that, it, that Jesus Christ was without blemish and without spot. Praise the Lord for a spotless, uh, blemishless, if that's a word, if not, I just made it up, uh, lamb of God. And there's a reason why that's so important. Here's why that's so important. It's so important because I am not without blemish. And I'm not talking about a left foot that doesn't work right now. I'm talking about sin. And you're not without blemish. We needed someone without blemish to take our blemish on him. And there was only one individual who could do that, and that was the Son of God. God robed in flesh. And he was the only one who could do that because he was without spot and without blemish. He could take all of your spots and all of your blemishes and all the spots and blemishes of every man and woman that's ever been born of all time and pay the penalty. He was the only one qualified. Well, 
He was without blemish. No sin. No mistake. No error. No flaw. Uh, everything perfect in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this Passover lamb in our story tonight, in our Bible lesson tonight, it says there that it, it said, you shall take it out in verse 5, at the end of verse 5, from the sheep or from the goats. So it was separated from the rest. In the same way, Jesus Christ was separated and he was lifted up on a cross. John 12, 32, the Bible says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men. This he said, signifying what death he should die. He was separated. The Passover lamb, a sacrificial lamb. Verse 6 says that it would have to be killed. It would be killed in the evening. The lamb itself would be slain for the atoning of each family. Did you catch that within the reading? For each family. And if necessary, they could even you know combine if that was the case. But it was for each family. And it was a sign of obedience on the part of that family. Jesus was slain so that our sins could be atoned. I'm so thankful. Uh, I'm not going to turn there, but in the book of Hebrews, if you want to jot it down, in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse number 10, it talks about the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. And then it says this at the end of the verse. Three very powerful words that you want to take note of. Once for all. Once for all. Later this month, later in December, we're going to have the Lord's table again. We haven't had it for a while. We're going to have it in the month of December. When we have the Lord's table, we're not re-crucifying the Lord Jesus Christ, as some churches would teach. That is a false doctrine. He died once for all. So I like the word once, and I also like the word all. Because that means I can be included in the all. And you can be included in the all if you choose. Now, you have to choose, though. You know, not everybody, not everybody, uh, I think Pastor Kevin said this morning, not everybody is a Christian. That's a choice that has to be made. And I'm so thankful, though, that the penalty was paid for all. Okay, so once for all, Jesus, the perfect spotless Lamb of God, gave himself as a sacrifice for your sins and mine forever. And, and by the way, no other sacrifice will be accepted. There's a lot of people in this world that do a lot of things to try to get God's favor. I don't know, maybe you've read about it before. There's some religions where people are walking on hot coals to try to get God's favor. There are some religions where people are doing things to their body to try to get God's attention. I'm not making fun. I'm just saying this is what they're doing. But according to God's word, there is no other sacrifice sufficient for your sin and mine to be forgiven other than the blood of the Lamb. That leads me to the next blank, the next point, the blood applied. The blood applied. Let's look at verse 22 of our, of our text, please. This is so important. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house 
until morning. Okay, so the lamb is killed, the lamb is slain, but that's not enough. Something's got to be done beyond that. And remember, these are the instructions God gave. These aren't the instructions Moses gave. Think about it. These are God's instructions. You know, again, this is God's book. These are not my instructions as the pastor. This is God's word. So we want to follow God's word in every way, in every practice, in everything. So that's what they were to do here. So they've got a, they've got a lamb. It's been killed. But what, what do we do next? Well, we've got to do... The, 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 the point is, God said, do something with the blood. They had to follow the word of the Lord that came to Moses. And so what were they to do? They were to take this blood, put it in a bowl. They were to take hyssop, which is a plant, and they were to take that and they were to dip it in the blood and they were to take, strike it or put it or, or uh, assign it or designate it above the door and on the side post of the door. And this, this plant, this hyssop plant, was what they were to use as they applied it. Now the blood of the lamb sitting in the bowl in the living room, when the death angel came by, what do you think would have happened? It's not a trick question, but think about it before you answer it. It's in a bowl. It's in the living room. And the death angel comes by. Some of you know the story. What do you think would have happened? What? That's right. Just because they had the blood in the bowl sitting in the living room, that's not the instructions. I'm, I'm making a point. A lot of people may have a Bible sitting in their home. But that doesn't mean they're going to heaven because they have a Bible sitting in their home. I've asked a lot of people through the years, do you have a Bible? Yeah. But a Bible sitting in a home doesn't save anybody. Now, it is the Word of God, but it's applying it. Right? It's applying the blood to the top of the doorpost. It's applying the blood to the right side and the left side that Moses said to do. And so, just simply to follow one part and not the other, again, we can't pick and choose. Well, you can if you want, but it's not going to get you very far, and I'm not going to get me very far either. we got to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to obey the entire counsel of the Word of God. Now, nobody here is doing that perfectly, including me, definitely me. But the goal is that we obey the Word of God. And so the instructions were, Put that blood on the doorpost. So here's something to, to think about. Applying the blood was a clear demonstration of obedience and faith. You know, I, I, I might think, you know, if I'm, you know, okay, Benjamin, right? I have a nice Jewish name. So here I am sitting in my, here I am sitting in my house that night, and uh, 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 I'm, we're going to do what with what? We're going to take a lamb, we're going to kill it, and... A few days later, we're going to kill it, and we're going to put blood on the doorpost and blood on the, on the side and with a, with a hyssop plant. That, that doesn't make sense. Some might have thought, you know, that they might have really thought about it. I don't know. The Bible doesn't give us those details. It's fine to think about it. But this was, a, this was strictly faith and obedience. Okay, Moses. If that's what God said. It sounds pretty crazy to me, but. God's 
faith and obedience in God's plan by the head of that household. The blood applied showed the sacrifice of one life for another. It showed that the lamb had sacrificed for the atonement and the protection and the covering of that entire family. Wow. Hebrews 9.22, And almost in all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. The death angel would come through that night in Egypt. Every family that had it on the doorpost was spared, and the death angel would keep on, keep on going. They were not spared simply because of the death of the lamb. Don't miss this. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again to save us from our sins. Yes? Yes, but it has to be applied. If it's not applied to you, personally, then it's just a fact. It's not even, I mean, it's not for you. It is for you, but you've got to, ch- you've got to choose that. Just like every home that night had to say, okay, we're going to do it. So the fact that Jesus died to pay for my sin doesn't automatically apply that payment to me. I must believe that his blood was shed to cover me, and I must trust in that blood to cover me. So number one is a perfect provision. Number two is a planned Passover, a planned Passover. Through this final plague, this tenth plague, God essentially would show the Egyptians that while they had many small g gods and worshiped many animals, there's only one Lord, and that's I am that I am. Okay, the next blank, punishment for the disobedient. This word firstborn implies not only the oldest, but also can speak of the more prominent or favored one in the home, the preeminent one. Look at verse 30 of our text, please. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Not one single house. So death came that night to every house. The wages of sin is always death. Romans 6.23 But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are in the Passover. We see in the Passover a picture of the cross. You see the cross up there, right? Way up top. That is the provision of blood for our sin. I deserve to die. I deserve to pay for my own sin. I deserve to go to hell. That's what I deserve. However, God has provided a gift to all who believe. The gift of salvation. Through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. So the punishment for the disobedient. The pardon for the obedient. The pardon for the obedient. Not everyone will receive Christ, but some will. That's always been the case. Exodus 12, 13 says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will 
pass over you. There's the, where we get that term, Passover. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. It was a distinguishing mark. It was a banner that would be on their doorpost. I'm going to read something here quickly. Likewise, the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to the account of all those who have accepted him as their Savior. I ask you tonight, not necessarily to speak out, but to consider this question. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? I did not ask if you've been baptized. That's not part of the plan of salvation. Now, it's part of the plan for spiritual growth, but it's not part of the plan for salvation. When God sees the blood of Christ covering my sin and your sin, we will never experience the judgment of God. Think of that. Never. Because God is a God of his word. And when he sees the blood, his judgment will pass over you. When he sees the blood, his judgment will pass over me. It's not about how good I am or how eloquent you are or how important we are in the community. None of that matters to God. He's looking for the blood. He's looking for the blood. And you must consider that tonight. Is the blood of Christ, has the blood of Christ been applied to you? See, the reason why he won't, the reason why he won't judge you if you have the blood is because he already did. Remember that verse we said earlier? Once for all. Jesus was judged. It's why in the middle of the afternoon, as he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken? It's why in the middle of the afternoon, the, scar, the, the, the skies went dark. God turned his back on his only son. The veil of the temple was rent in two. Nothing like it had ever happened and nothing like it ever will happen. And what was happening was God's wrath was being poured out on his son. God's judgment was being poured out. My judgment that I deserve. Your judgment that you deserve. And so because of that, when God sees his son's blood on my account and on your account he says paid in full paid in full no judgment needed judgment's already been taken care of no blood no blood on your account when you die you'll have to face god you'll have to face god's judgment and if i don't tell you that i'm a dishonest preacher the wages of sin is death that's talking about spiritual death in hell, Revelation 20, 14, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. You don't want to face God's judgment. Receive God's gift of eternal life, that blood, and apply it to your life. You might, be have, you might have family members that are still lost. Pray for them that God would open their eyes to the truth of this gospel message. And this, yes, it is a simple message. What? Just put blood on the door and that's all it's going to take? That's crazy. Surely there's a better way of doing it. No, God's instructions are not to be violated. God's instructions are not to be changed. He is God. He is holy God. 
Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. Praise the Lord. Number one, a perfect provision. Number two, a planned Passover. It's getting the second wind. Here we go, Brother Barry. Number three, a perpetual practice. Through this Passover of the Israelite people, God established a day. We talked about it a little bit a moment ago. Yep, there's one down there on the floor, Brother Barry, that's still got water in it. Thank you. Bring that one up here. That'd be, is it still got water in it right there? Okay, good. Thank you. That's it. Apply the water. That This day was to be perpetually remembered, which means it was to be remembered uh, regularly. Next blank. Practiced by the obedient. Look at verse 21 of our text. Thank you, Brother Barry. Verse 21 of our text. Practiced by the obedient. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. We talk, we read this, read it again. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. Again, think about being a child in the home, right? Why, Dad, why do we have blood on our door? You know? Mom, why do we have blood on our door? And so they may not have understood it as a child completely, as, you know, as is the case for a lot of children. It takes time to understand the gospel message, right? Think about that. Now, it wasn't up to them to believe that night, though. Follow this. It wasn't up to the child to believe that night. But who was it up to to believe that night? Yeah, the parents, right? The father, the mother. They were the ones that were told to do the, you know, for the, you know get the lamb, kill it, and I mean, they alone would probably wonder, but I can, I can think of Junior, you know, what is, what is dad doing? This has got to be the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I don't get this. Okay, that's a child. Fine. Dad was doing it by what? Faith and obedience. The children necessarily would not have completely understood. I'm, I, I'm, I'm quite sure of it. Okay? However, God declared that the blood was necessary, and so... The, the home, the, the leader of the home, simply trusted in the Lord and did what God commanded them to do. Look at verse 28, please. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. They just followed the instructions. I mean, I think we would all have to agree tonight that there are some things about the Christian life that cannot be explained. It cannot be explained. A lot about faith cannot be explained. We trust and obey. I don't trust blindly. I trust the Word of God to be the infallible, inerrant Word of God, preserved Word of God. And we live by the Word. 
You can't go wrong living by the word. Now, notice what it said in verse 22. God said that none of them were to go out of their house until the morning. They were to stay inside. Throughout that night, each family was gathered in their home. They were covered by the blood of the lamb. I'm sure they didn't completely get it to the fullest extent. They just knew God had said, do this. (laughs) Yes, sir, God, we're doing that. And eventually that death angel would come and everybody would be fine at the end of the night. There would be no death in their home. 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. We trust completely that the work that Jesus finished on the cross is sufficient. It's sufficient to pay for your sin and mine, that we might have forgiveness. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. Romans 10, 9, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So practiced by the obedient. Number two, permanent in its message. Permanent in its message. So God says, okay, this isn't about a one-night deliverance from the death angel, although it was, and very important, this was about something to remember. Verse 25 of our text. And it shall come to pass when ye be come to the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised that ye shall keep this service. They were to continue to do this Passover service. It shall come to pass when your children shall say to you, what mean ye by this service? What are we doing this for? That ye shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt. So they're going to tell them about what happened to grandma and grandpa. Or, you know, maybe it was some of them even at that point. Family, of course. When he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses, and the people bowed their heads and worshiped. You know, we're all prone to forget. I'm prone to forget. Maybe you're not, but I'm sure we all are. And so God says, I want to make sure there's a way for us to remember, for you to remember this miraculous deliverance. And so they instituted the Passover. This was an opportunity. This was a teaching time. Don't miss it. This was a teaching time. Who was it a teaching time for primarily? The children. The next generation. Why are we doing this? Ever thought about this? Why do we read the Bible? You know, kids ask questions, don't they? They're curious. It's how they learn. It's how you learned. It's how I learned. Why do we go to church? Why do we, why do we give money in the offering? Seems crazy. Why do we do that? I mean, church? Why do we do that? Well, you know, I believe it starts right here. Why are we putting, why are we killing a lamb, Dad? 
Why are we having this kind of the ceremony thing? Well, because we're, gonna, we're remembering what God did for us and our people, our families, hundreds of years ago. And they could go in and tell them about it. They were to teach their children and their grandchildren and beyond about the blood that was supplied for them. You know, your greatest ministry, your greatest ministry is not serving the Lord at church. Your greatest ministry is in your home. And there are no perfect homes. <laughs> they are a, all of them are a work in progress. But that's the greatest ministry. The purpose of the Passover was so important to God that in our text, it is called by seven different names. A token in verse 13, a memorial feast in verse 14, a holy convocation in verse 16, an ordinance in verse 17, a, sa a service in verse 26, and a sacrifice in verse 27. It was saying to the people, this annual Passover was saying to the people who were then saying to their children, God is so good. He's so good to me. And I pray that your kids and my kids and the kids of this church and anybody that we have influence over, not just even our own children, but people that we come into contact with during the week, I hope they know that the God that you serve and the God that you worship, I hope they know by your testimony that God is good. And He is. And He's faithful. But it wasn't just a holy day for the nation. It was a personal time of worship. Look at verse 26. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say to you, what mean ye by this service? So, Dad, Mom, what is this all about? I mean, we like the feast. I mean, the feast part of it. Hey, this is good. You know. Lamb is delicious, by the way. If, if, sorry, if you don't like lamb, I'm trying, trying to offend you. But lamb is delicious. Yeah. Anyway. But what about what, what's going on? What's the party all about? What's the celebration? And so the, the parents were to do that. The Passover was offered by the head of each household. I want to just encourage us tonight as parents, if you have children still at home, and I know I'm repeating myself, but uh, it's very important that we bring the next generation along with us. They have to take their own faith. They have to receive Christ for themselves. I'm not a Christian tonight because my mom and dad are Christians. I'm a Christian tonight because I decided to turn to Christ and be saved as a nine-year-old boy. And I'm still, God is still working on me 41 years later. But I'm thankful that I had a dad and a mom, sinners, not perfect, but I had a dad and a mom who, why do we do this? A dad and a mom who took me to church faithfully. A dad and a mom who read God's word to me in the living room faithfully. Not perfect. Not at all perfect. But our kids need to see, and they don't need to, like, you know, Pastor Kevin poured out his heart last week, and I think it's amazing that now we're talking about this tonight, totally unplanned. This has been on the shelf for two months, and now we're talking about the family's role in rearing their children for God because it's right here in the notes. Who did that? Not me. <laughs> that was God. So don't miss it. Don't miss it. 
The ordinance... The ordinances are not part of salvation, but they're to help us to remember in just a moment we're going to have a baptism. That's an ordinance that was given to the church. That and the Lord's Supper. The ordinance is to help me remember. The city of New Westminster has ordinances. They're called speed limit signs. Help us to remember, right? This is a 30-kilometer zone. Take a little, little heat off the pedal, right? They have those. That's what we have, to remember. God gave us the baptism. God gave us the Lord's Supper. So in conclusion, Jesus Christ died 2,000 years ago. But the forgiveness of His blood is still available for anyone who will simply believe. Paul and Silas said to the Philippian jailer in Acts 16.31, In in, in verse 30, the Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be saved? Well, you're going to have to do five things. Do you have a pen? I don't think that's in the Bible. You know why he said that? He said that because Paul and Silas had a testimony. They weren't moping and groaning in jail. They were praising God at midnight. Crazy people. Who does that? The jailer says, whatever you got, that's what I need. What must I do to be saved? It was very simple. He didn't say get baptized. Didn't say take the Lord's Supper. Didn't say put money in the offering. Acts 16, 31, this is what they said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So you have a choice tonight. I have a choice tonight. Either believe or not believe. And I can't. I can't choose that for you.